With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back and we are live. It is Fight IQ presented by Rotowire. Here to talk UFC 264. The trilogy is here. Dustin Poirier, he's the A-side and don't you bleep and forget it. Taking on the notorious... Conor McGregor in the third in the rubber match of their trilogy, and we're going to break it all down for DraftKings FanDuel Super Draft. Maybe at some point we should mention Super Draft a little bit. They had MMA, but I'm your host, the Daily Fantasy Sniper. We're going to talk about all those things with the co-host, the analyst, the really important guys. I'm just here to drive this ship of insanity. Uh, it is Chris Olson. You can find him on Twitter at Real Chris Olson and Joe, who you all know and love, and you can find on Twitter at Sun Tzu. Guys, are you ready for UFC 264? And Joe, are you ready for me to show up at your house and you know the delicious food you're going to have over there? Yeah, I'm just, I'm a little worried. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to have, I, I know that whenever you come over, I have to set aside a lobster tail and a cannoli for your wife or else like she won't ever let you come back. So, uh, <laughs> fair. you know, and then Kevin, of course, like he completely, he calls him bear claws. Which is completely different than a lobster tail, like you know. So he's like doing his rope. He's doing his DFS army pod, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be eating bear claws at Sun Tzu ha- Sun Tzu's house." I'm like, "No, you're not. We're gonna do lobster tails. I'll, I'll get a few cannolis. I'll set I'll set set one or two aside for your wife, and then I'll, I'll, order, I'll order some chicken parm." The biggest news of the day, though, I mean, is not Aldana missing weight by three and a half pounds, um, but. I found out that Chris Olsen is only five foot six, man. That oh, is no. that is friggin' short, dude. Like five foot I'm six. Actually, I actually sit on phone books to uh, reach the camera. Did your mom did your did your mom have a nicotine habit like during birth or like what was going on I, with that? You know or? what? I, I don't know the answer to these questions. We can we can probe this later. Okay. If, okay. I mean, Joe. Um, Every podcast, every, he hates short people. God forbid. I, I don't. I don't hate. No, the no. The Guild is gonna beat the crap. You out know of what? There, there are a couple of short kings over here, and don't forget it, Joe. I know I don't hate don't short people. It's it. just I don't understand it. Like with all the antibiotics and food, and like there's no reason for anybody to be born short anymore. <laughs> in, in chat, I want you guys. To, I am I am a little under. I mean, a shade under five nine. Is that chat? Is that short? Is it average? Is it, I think it's probably a little bit below average height, but I don't think I'm short. I go to Joe, and he's like, hey. Tiny, come with me. In chat, what's the best height to be, and why is it five six? Okay, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Well, we are on the topic. You know what, these guys, if you're watching in chat, first of all, thank you. Welcome back. We want to make these guys some money. Before we do that, I'm going to do the read. Make sure you go to rotowire.com slash free for a 10-day free trial to all their premium content. No credit card required. Season-long daily fantasy for all sports. Check it out. Also, subscribe on YouTube. It is Rotowire. It's the YouTube channel. The podcast you can find on Rotowire MMA. Let's talk some fights. Non five seven and three quarters. My name, <laughs> Alan Alanovsky. Nine thousand. And a new thing I'm going to do because I don't want to leave him anymore. I'm going to give DraftKings and FanDuel pricing. 
Mm. And we can talk about odds. I'm going to skip the odds now. We can talk about that in the breakdown if it's really warrants it being talked about, which in this fight, oddly enough, it, it does. does. Yeah, Amanovsky, 9,000. And it's 18 bucks on FanDuel. Yao Zong Hu, 7,200, 11 bucks on FanDuel. And why is that important? Because Yao Zong Hu is nearing Pick'em at this point. He has the odds value on the card. He's going to be super chalky. And I'm picking him in this fight. And frankly, guys, it's because of the odds value. If you, before you, I'm going to cut, I'm going to give it to Chris first. I'm going to cut his legs out before he even goes. If you try and technically break this fight down, get the hell out of here. Neither one of these guys have fought in three years. Yao Zong Hu's lost to Rashad Coulter. Alan Abadovsky's going to sleep to John Phillips. We're about to basically watch two clowns get in a clown car, punch each other, and we'll see who's going to come out. Give me the guy who's cheaper. And play it in GPPs, though. We should see a finish here. So like it in GPP. Stay away from Abadovsky in cash. And who? You can play him because plus 110, last I saw, for 7211 bucks, Just play the odds in this one and move on. Chris, go ahead and now technically break this down. Well, my, my analysis of over 27 fights, no, uh, I think well, I will you say... Need, you need your head examined and a yeah. lobotomy if you watch 27 fights of these two. Well, I, I think I think, I think who, who only has uh, five total, right? Isn't he like three and two three or something? Three and two, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, what I will say is that, I mean, at least who is tough. Um, he took a lot of big shots from Coulter and didn't fall down. And Abadovsky, um, you know, got pretty much sent out of there with the first shot that uh, John Phillips hit him with. So I like who as well, just for that reason. I don't understand the price golf. It shouldn't be there, uh, as you mentioned. But, um, you know, if the chalk is going to be there with the line value, maybe that pushes me to a few more shares of Abadovsky because – you know, I think both of these guys are going to swing to knock each other out, and one of them is going to succeed. And I would rather be on the side that uh, gives me the leverage play. So I think who's going to win, but um, now that that line value is there, I'm going to have more shares of Amadovsky than I ordinarily would. You know, I, I don't mind saying, okay, game theory, everyone's going to who I'll play Amadovsky because, frankly, it's it's a coin flip. Joe? So I heard Amadovsky was actually gifted his UFC contract, um, his his regional record is horrid. I mean, he, he beat a guy that was 1-13. in 13. Um, Saying you like who, I, I laugh because I think of an owl, saying you like who is... It's on first. It, yeah, it's, yeah, it's all odds. It's all odds value, right? Because neither one of these guys, like the, the combined time since these guys have been in the octagon is like over five years, like combined. Um, and who, as we know, made Cyril Asker look like a stud, um, fought as high as heavyweight, second fight at light heavyweight, and now he's down at what would appear to be his natural weight, which is his middleweight. So what it's you're banking on UFC plan. Yeah. yeah. So what, what you're actually banking on here is you're banking on who is improved more during the layoff and looking at camps, um, you know, and looking at like, does someone know something? Is that why the money's coming in? Apparently who spent some time at Jack Jackson Wink? He spent some time at Tiger Muay Thai. He spent some time at the PI in Shanghai. Wait, who did? Who? who? Yes. Yeah. Not who. Yeah. Who? Oh, who did? Uh, yeah. Who? Um, so yeah. Who's on, who's on, you know? Um, so I, I'm going to go with who for that reason. Like I'm going to assume 
that there's someone out there that perhaps knows something that steamed this line down to plus 110 and that DraftKings just got it wrong, it is a high-risk play, guys. Come on. I mean, like, who could come out and just just snark this guy? But, I mean, just be prepared. If you're banking on who, you're playing him for line value. You're playing him because someone perhaps knows something. But that's the only reason you're playing. Like, unless you've actually watched this guy train and and have been at his camps and kind of know how to speak Mandarin, then, okay, great. But otherwise, it's a dart throw, and you're going with the guy who you think has developed more over the course of their absence. That's it. I just want to point out that Joe went way longer on that than I did. So. I know. I know. You're right. You're right. But, well, I, I think it because it's the line value is going to make him such highly owned. Yeah, yeah. I think there was some worthwhile narrative there. Well, we go from that fight to a fight that I don't really want much to do with for DFS. But and it's one between two guys who can't win in the UFC. Jalagas Jumagula for ninety three hundred on DK, twenty two bucks on FanDuel. Jerome Rivera sixty nine hundred on DK, eight bucks on FanDuel. I think Jalagas is better everywhere. I'm just worried about the scoring. He's my pick, not a fight I'm heavily invested in. Joe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do I really care? Um, yeah, I guess I'll go the same way. Um, neither one of you know. Again, this is something where you really haven't seen anything. Um, you know, by either guy here. Um, I guess I'll go with the person who can maybe get a few takedowns, although there are some people out there. Um, uh, Clint from Die Hard MMA, who, you know, is backing Rivera. You know, he's going to have a pretty significant height advantage. However, he's never really fought at range before. Um, he is younger. Um, you should probably have a few shares of him just because anybody who lays three to one you know, on a guy that's coming off of two losses, um, you know, I'm going to say it, James Tahuna. Um, you know, so I would, okay, I'll go with the favorite, but it's not a ringing endorsement. These two, these first two fights are pretty garbage fights for a big-time card. It's, it, it's been a while since I heard James Tahuna effect. Yeah. Chris, yeah. you got? Um, yeah, I think Jamagulov could definitely get his takedowns here, so maybe that makes him a cash play. I mean, uh, Figueredo's brother took down – uh, Rivera a lot, and Juma Gulov shoots a lot, especially in the first fight. I think he shot 12 times. I kind of like Rivera. He's got a good kicking game um, that got him uh, sent to hell by Tyson Nam, a counter shot by Tyson Nam. Juma Gulov doesn't have that kind of power, so I wouldn't worry about that. I don't mind taking a shot on him. I don't really know what he's going to do. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is kind of a fade. Again, I don't mind some shots on Rivera or Jim Agolov as a cash play, but uh, otherwise I would say, you know, uh, tuck in for the rest of the card because there are some good ones coming down the, the pike here. Yeah, last point on this fight is there is a truck race going off in 45 minutes in NASCAR. I have more interest in that than I do in this fight. <laughs> Omari Akhmedov, he's the underdog, 7,600, 10 bucks on FanDuel, taking on Brad Tavares, 8,600. 20 bucks on FanDuel. And this fight, I mean, it's pretty simple. Can Akhmedov get takedowns? Tavares, historically great takedown defense. I still want the dog here. I'm, I'm a little worried about my stance in this one. There's other people I want instead of Tavares. And I just I, I can see Akhmedov gassing and Tavares getting a late finish and really screwing up this slate for me. But Akhmedov, the upside is there especially on DraftKings. FanDuel, even though he's cheaper, 
the FanDuel dra- I mean, if you're unfamiliar, grappling just it's, it's irrelevant. It's all about finishes, finishes, finishes. So I'm interested in Akhmedov on DK and Tavares just doesn't make the cut with a lot of the options we're going to talk about later. So this is a dangerous spot for me, but I'm on the Akhmedov side. Uh, Chris, who you got? Well, I would say for FanDuel, uh, Tavares gets a little more steam because they count. Uh, no, yeah, no, I, I get it, but but they count uh, the the takedowns defended. So you know, four or five of those, you you know, you could get and the late finish could 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 uh, develop into something. I think the fight's going to play out exactly how uh, your worst nightmare is there, Sean. I think that um, Agmedov isn't going to get the takedowns. He's going to gas out. We just saw uh, Brad Tavares stuff 11-12 from Carlos Jr. Now, Akhmedov is, is a stronger, probably a better wrestler than Carlos Jr., but um, he's still not a great – he's still not great with his takedown accuracy. And, um, you know, I don't think he's going to have to stuff a lot of shots before Akhmedov realized – I mean, the reason why he stopped wrestling and he's gotten back to it recently is that it was tiring him out. We've seen him go back to it. We saw how tired he got in the Chris Weidman fight. I mean, they both did, but, I mean, he especially and allowed Weidman to get that win. And I just think that uh, Tavares is going to be able to stay on his feet long enough. Akhmedov still throws hammers, so you have to worry about that too. But I think that uh, I think Tavares is the player. I think he's sneaky t- to get to get a big score here. And like I said, especially FanDuel. But I I wouldn't discount the late finish. I see it as a real possibility. Joe. So I like Tavares on DraftKings. Well, I like Tavares more as a bat than I do um, for DraftKings. Uh, I also think that this would be a great fight to live bat. Because you have Akhmedov, who's probably going to win the first round, because he goes out gangbusters. And I do agree with Chris that I think Tavares is much more viable on FanDuel. I mean, you know, I don't know what what he would have scored defending eleven to twelve takedowns. That maybe someone I don't play FanDuel, so I can't, you know, I can't I can't give you any color on that. But I mean, defending eleven out of twelve takedowns is probably going to result in a pretty decent pickup. Um, I do like him um, as a bet. Uh, I, I have bet him, um, but also I'm going to look to see if Akhmedov does win the first round just due to activity, um, what the live bet is after round one, and then maybe that'd be time to put a little bit more on Tavares. Um, look, I think Akhmedov has a decent floor, and if he ever could carry his cardio over three rounds and maybe does land a few takedowns, I could see him winning kind of a greasy decision. Let's hope not because I am on Tavares here. I just don't think he's a great play for DraftKings. All right, next fight up. Let's talk about – oh, God, we got to get to some good fights. You know, it's funny. All Most of the good fights for DFS are actually on the main card, which is interesting. Yeah, so why, why do you think, Sean, people are saying that this is a good card? Like I looked at this card, and I'm like, this is a typical Conor McGregor card, right? You've got, a, you've got the main event. You've got a couple other mildly interesting fights, but but like a lot of shit. Like, I don't know why people are like, maybe because we had a week off, but like, yeah. I don't really yeah. see this as a great card. You know what? You know what? I, I, I think the top half of the card is good. Honestly, after this next fight we're going to talk about, I, I'm I'm down. Now I'm going to get a little ahead of ourselves. I'm down for Duplessis, Trevin Giles. It's a solid prelim. I like watching Ryan Hall fight. I like the tilt he puts MMA Twitter on, and I like that he's different. Uh, Nico Price, fun as hell. Oh, yeah, Sean O'Malley, fun. Sean O'Malley. I mean, 
it's fighting a can now, but okay. Griffin Condit's interesting. I don't mind the women's fight. Like, I think after this, you got Tuivasa Hardy. Like, honestly, you got Wonder Boy back. I think, I think it's a good card. I don't think it's great. I think it's a good card, but it's good because the first four fights are horrible. Would you admit oh. that? Would you say that it would have been a very good card if we got Brady Lee? I thought I think that would have made it a really good card. Yeah, if that's your early prelim, just our early prelims <laughs> usually oh, there's going to be fireworks. Here's the early prelims, shit. Yeah. Prelims well, to be fair, there should be. I mean, they're 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 bad fireworks, but they should be fireworks in the who fight. I mean, somebody's going to just drop. Knows? <laughs> I keep Ooh, thinking no. of Dr. Seuss whenever you say Ooh, who, no. who, Dr. Ooh. Seuss. Who? All right, let's talk. Little, little Mary Lou who. I know we're trying to avoid <laughs> it. We have to talk about Jennifer Maya at 8820 bucks on FanDuel, taking on Jessica I at $7,409. bucks. my quick analysis, I think Maya wins. I think I, for the price, I'll take a couple shots. Like, I'm not paying that price for Jennifer Maya. If she knocks out Jessica I, shit. Like that just that that's the analysis here. Um, okay. Maya wins. I'll take a couple shots on I, uh, Joe. Yeah. So what you said makes perfect sense for DraftKings, but here is where I'm a little perplexed. Okay, does the fact that you don't like the betting line on Jennifer Maya mean that you should bet Jessica I? Like I never. I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm old school. I just don't get but the I, logic. But I. But I do like the, the line on, on, on my – Well, see, yeah, and, and here, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. Like, I – okay. So, like, let's arguably say that the line is a little high on, on Maya or, you know, some people think it's more than a little high. Is that enough? Like, I think Maya's better everywhere. She's better standing. She's got more hand speed. She's better on the mat. Like, I don't think there's one place where Jessica I is better. She's maybe fought better comp- competition. People are making – or playing up the narrative – they're looking for regression because she took a round off of uh, Val and everybody's saying that's what's steaming the lineup. But like, okay, but do you think Jessica I is going to win? Like to me, it shouldn't matter what the line is. Do you think the fighter is going to win? I agree it's not a great fight for DraftKings unless Maya can get the finish, um, which, you know, look, stranger things have happened. I've seen some regression in Jessica I. Um Give me Maya here. I think Maya is a better bet than I do as a DraftKings play. Um, I don't really plan on having much of Jessica I in DraftKings, but um, I'll take Maya for the win. Chris? Yeah, uh, two boxers, and one one is the much better boxer, uh, that being Jennifer Maya. I think that we, we could see uh, I try to use her physicality as she tried to do in the Calderwood fight, but I, you know, Maya is really strong. She took, she took down Val, held her down for seven minutes. I, um, I, the line is, is kind of high, but as I recommended it in my best bets uh, article, plug, plug, if you take it by decision, it, it turns in, into dog money, uh, slight. I think it's, pl- it was plus 110, I think, which I think is the, is the most probable way she wins anyway. I mean, Jessica I is very tough. I think she's only been stopped twice in her career overall, only once by strikes. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go betting on that. I think that Maya wins. I think that this is probably a fight you can just leave. Um, this is like a 73-74 pointer for Maya on DraftKings or something. And it's, that doesn't get it done. So I, I'm going to 
I'm going to just, uh, you know, probably skip this one and, and we're going to sink our teeth into the meat of the card here coming up. Uh, Drikus Duplessis. 8215 bucks. Take it on Trevin Giles at 8015 bucks. It's funny. This is another one, kind of like the last one. DFS can simplify these breakdowns. We can talk, go back and forth about who's going to win the fight, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If Trevin Giles wins, I don't think it scores well. If Duplessis wins, I think he probably gets a knockout. So who do I want to play? I'll play Duplessis, and if I'm wrong, you know, I don't think Trevin Giles is going to break this late. If he does, I'm in trouble, but, like, it's a coin flip fight. I agree with the odds, but one guy's much more likely to do something big for for DFS. So that's who I'm gonna play. Uh, that's and that's who I'm gonna pick just because I'm a DFS player. Is it a close fight? Yes. I also do think Duplessis is just a little bit better of a striker at range. So that that's I guess my analysis scores. Uh, Chris, who you got? So I don't really get the Trevin Giles hit. I know that he hasn't scored well all the time, but you gotta remember, like the, the like that fight. That he got that he got knocked out against Zach Cummings. He was he was winning most of it. Um, he he always decides to you, grapple. You, you, you said the part I have a problem. He got knocked out by Zach Cummings. Sure, sure, but we're but we're gonna talk. Okay, but we're gonna talk about Ryan Hall coming up, and we all saw that interview where he talked about sample size and specifically that just because one outcome happens one time doesn't mean that it's gonna happen. And that's a perfect example, right? If, if we we rack that, who are you gonna pick to win? I'm picking. Trevin Giles, I think you are too, uh, unless Maybe. I'm wrong. I mean, here's also here's the other thing. I his best win was his last win. As unproven as Duplessis is, I don't get a lot from Trevin Giles's UFC career. James Bachnovics, Braga Neto, all right, knocked out by Cummings, not finished by Mearshart. The James Krause fight, he lost that fight. I. Let's just. I don't think he. No, no doubt he lost that fight. I have he, no doubt. Get, get out of here. He lost by a lot. He was anyway. That was I one of the Lewis, worst decisions of the Lewis, year. Devin Lewis. I, Lewis, you know, the Bevin Lewis I, I don't. I don't have it open. But wasn't the Bevin, wasn't the Bevin Lewis a decent score? Um, I will go pull up the scores. I don't have the scores open in front of me. I'll go. Well, you know, the third round finish was probably. It was probably decent. Um, I think there was two but, knockdowns in there. I think there was. I don't think he's gonna. But I don't think he's gonna. Finished two pluses. I don't think. I mean, hang on. Let, let, let's look. Well, all let's right. Well, while you're while you're looking, let me get well, to. I got it right here. Hang on. Okay. All let's, right. Let's 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 hold hold your horses because I don't I, I don't want to I'm gonna die on this hill. I don't think Giles is a good DFS play in that fight. He scored. Hang on. DraftKings and your Windows. You suck. Trevin Giles scored ninety two. Yeah, so that so that I mean, so that works. Wait, and I, but it, it took him two knockdowns to get there. Well, he, but he scored two knockdowns. The most strikes he's ever landed in a fight was seventy. Well, that's well, and that's that was the third round. That's the thing, I, and I think that's the major criticism of, of him, as far as I'm concerned, is that he can work a little slow sometimes. But I mean, what did you really see from Duplessis aside from you know the shot that he landed behind the ear that really makes? You say that you like him in that Marcus Perez fight. He he does what he always does, which is he backs himself up, and then he storms in with strikes. If he does that against against uh, Giles, he's going to be in trouble because Giles is very good in and out. He's very good with range. I could see him getting really uh, smacked by a counter shot here. And look, Giles likes to grapple, even in fights where he shouldn't. Uh, you referenced the Mearshard fight. If he does so here. 
I think it's going to be good for him. I know that Duplessis likes to wrestle too. I would bet on Giles being the better grappler. Uh, you know, he hung he hung with Mearshart a lot in that fight. He got reversals on James Krause, who is a, is a good black belt. I, I just think he's got a good skill set. He's a good boxer. He's athletic. He's got some power. And I haven't seen a lot from Duplessis that I like. I know he's got power. I know he wrestles a little bit. You can say that that the Marcus Perez performance was octagon jitters or whatever, even though he did outland him in that fight. I don't think he looked particularly good up until the elbow landed. And I think uh, Giles could surprise. I think uh, uh, maybe maybe there's a hot take coming. We'll save that for later. But uh, I, I'm taking Trevin Giles here, and I actually like that salary. I think it's a little sneaky. Joe. Okay, so I like I like Trevin Giles as well here. Um, <clears throat> I don't know how much I like him on DraftKings. Um, you know, my my, <laughs> my issue with um, the South African fighter is. Um, he was actually uh, submitted by Gareth McClellan, who might be the worst fighter in Long the UFC. Time ago. Now, Long yes, time. it was seven years ago. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will say that. Um, you know, has spent pretty much all his time in the South African promotion um, and KSW. KSW is decent. Um, you know, Marcus Perez, yeah, he caught him. He was a minus 205 favorite in that fight. I think this is going to be a more difficult fight. I like Trevin Giles, but I also see Sean's point where if, you know, the South African fighter is going to get, you know, he's going to win by finish in all likelihood if he does win, which makes him kind of DraftKings viable. Now, I think the line should be reversed. So I think there's negative line value in uh, Duplessis. So I don't know how much I'm going to have of him. Maybe I'll have a few shares. Um, but like, I do like Giles to win the fight, um, you know, at his salary, he doesn't really need to do much. Like if, if we take the 90 something points that Chris referenced, I would take that with, uh, with Giles. Um, the one other thing for those that don't know, Giles is not a full-time fighter. He's a full-time police officer. Thank you for your service. Um, so he, you know, look, I don't know how that affects his training, but whenever you're working full-time 12 hour shifts, you know, you're not training. I don't believe um, the Plessis has that issue, but just kind of keep that in the back of your head. Um, but give me Trevin Giles. Ryan Hall, he's a dog, $7,109, 9 bucks. Elia Taporia, $9,122. Um, if you believe Taporia and that he could start this fight in 50-50, then um, I have a bridge to sell you. It'd be great. And, or if he is that stupid, please do it. And I will roster all the Ryan Hall in the world. Look, Ryan Hall is a guy, I have to admit, I am a fan of his. Because he makes people angry, which amuses me to no end. He's different. And he's got that interesting leg lock game, which I am, you know, I'm a BJJ fan. So I like that type of thing. He also, he is DFS. He tends to make fights suck for DFS for the favorites, the guys facing him. Tapor is going to have a hard time scoring big, in my opinion, unless he finds a quick knockout. Is it possible? Sure. People love to hate Ryan Hall so much. I think I'm going to get leverage on Taporia by going underweight. I think Taporia is going to be relatively um, popular on this card. Uh, he has got a good inside-the-distance prop uh, for it. I'm going to roster some of them because he could get a finish. Ryan Hall, to me, is a live dog because he's interesting He or he makes fights – 
He makes fights unconventional and close where he can get a sneaky decision. And we've had a couple low-scoring cards where if he's the only dog who wins or one of two at 7,100, he could end up on the optimal guy. Forbid he finds a leg lock in the first round because he's getting Eminari roll everywhere the whole fight. So I'm taking call. Is it a confident pick? Not really. It's more I'm getting some leverage on Taporia and Hall at least making it. If he doesn't win, making Taporia score like ass. So it is one of those spots I'm taking a risk on the card. I'm on the Hall side. Joe. Yeah. Um, interesting fight, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with you on Hall. I, I definitely value intelligence. Um, you know, like Hall is coming off of, you know, a, a number of wins. Um, you know, uh, Ilya is, what, 24 years old, 10 wins prior to coming to the UFC at five finishes, um, a knockout. I'm sorry, six finishes, a knockout, and then five submissions. Um, I really do hope that he tries to grapple with, uh, with Ryan Hall. I think that could make the fight interesting. Um, and to your point, I, at least I think this is your point. If he does win Ilya, I don't think he's going to score well. Um, you know, because I don't, I don't necessarily see him finishing Hall. I see Hall being tricky enough and frustrating enough to, um, you know, to Ilya that he doesn't score well. Now, if you go back and watch the Zalal fight, you know, Zalal actually had some reversals against Ilya. So I don't think Ilya's in the same league as Ryan Hall when it comes to grappling, especially submission grappling. You know, even though he's got a pretty impressive resume in the minor leagues, you know, Hall has been in the majors for a while. Um, the whole the whole my grappling coach beat your grappling coach. So that means I can beat you is kind of juvenile, but you know, whatever whatever he needs to, you know, get him to bed at night. Um, I will have a few shares just in case because you do have him coming off of, you know, some pretty decent scores. Um, but, uh, you know, Brett Apley um, in his uh, Mayo Media Network, um, you know, giving you a dog a tournament play and a cash play. You know, his dog is Ryan Hall. Um, you know, I'm going to actually have some shots with Ryan Hall at 7.1K. But I will sh- – I'll pick the dog here. I mean, I don't know that it matters, but I'll I'll pick the dog. I think he's got a you know, I think he's got a shot to win. I think the salary range is pretty wide, but I'll take Ryan Hall. Chris, well, now I have to ruin ruin your day. Uh, Sean. Go for it. I was contemplating not doing it, but now that you're both there, I just think, and it's funny because I was going to reference exactly what Joe did. I, I was going to reference it in relation to because he said, like you said, Sean, I, I'll be. Good in the leg locks. He actually called uh, Zalal's uh, jujitsu white belt stuff, and then got swept three times. I know. <laughs> so, so I I don't know that we can take his word for all that much. But and I also agree with Joe that I I want to see somebody challenge Ryan Hall on the on the ground. It's like uh, Mackenzie Dern. We didn't think anybody could beat her until Viviana Arujo tried and and be and beat her on the ground and won that fight. I think it it'll, it will be very interesting. Um, I do think that this fight has a chance to score better because I think um, whether you want to call it delusional confidence or not, and I think it probably is, I think that Taporia isn't going to be afraid to engage with Ryan Hall as most of his other opponents are because they're constantly in, in fear of that rolling leg lock. So if he's not afraid to engage, that's going to lead to a lot more uh, exciting uh or at least the potential for a lot more exciting fight. I don't think that um, the picks on Deporia is 
is uh, hatred of Ryan Hall per se. I just think it's that people think that, oh, if you get to him, if you hit him clean, since he can't strike, you're going to knock him out. But he's proven to be very hard to hit cleanly. Uh, Taporia, I'm really interested to see it because as he is a, a grappler uh, by trade, the first thing I ever saw at Taporia was him uh, in in the minors there really pressuring somebody and knocking him out. So he has, he has a really good pressure striking game that he can go to. And I'm curious to see if he employs it here. I think that Ryan Hall, eventually he's going to hit a ceiling here because I don't think that just the sort of, um, you know, janky movements and Imanari rolls are going to do it. But you also have to remember that those Imanari rolls are not takedowns. You can kind of argue that they should be. I mean, you're rolling and getting the guy to the ground. But they're not takedowns. So if this fight gets out of the first round, the best he can likely do is, uh, you know, a cash score. I don't think he's going to knock him down twice as he did. uh, Who was that? Gray Maynard that he knocked down twice? Um, But, that I mean, that was fun. I doubt he's ever going to do that again. Was it Darren? Oh, yeah, Darren Elkins. That's right. Uh, Maynard was the guy who wouldn't uh, engage at all. But um, but yeah, so I'm going to go to Poria here. I think he can get a finish. I do think that the fight can uh, can uh, stall out, but I think there's going to be fireworks here because I think Poria is going to try to engage, and that should lead to uh, some higher scores. All right, let's talk about a real fun fight. Michelle Pereira, eighty nine hundred and nineteen bucks, taking on Nico Price at seventy three hundred and fourteen bucks. Look, I don't care if you chalk. Nico Price is my favorite underdog on the card because he's a dog who's going to fight for your money. His points, his fights generate points upon points upon points. And just that pressure style can win him a decision gets him there, a finish gets him there. I love this fight overall, though. I will say I'm going to be 80 to 90% on this fight because whatever I don't have in Nico Price, I want Michelle Pereira. So while Price is, you know, probably is my favorite dog on the card, Pereira is one of my favorite payups as well. I just love this fight. It's just what Nico Price brings to DFS. I can't wait for it. Like I, I am at this point such a fan of Nico Price. This should be this. This is an on the main card. This to me, I would put ahead of O'Malley. I put it ahead of Ty and Gray Hardy. I wouldn't put it as the co-main event, but to me, this is the third best fight on the card. I'm really looking forward to Nico Price and and Michelle Pajeda. So um, DFS wise, just just play it all. And if you want a cash game side. You could play Price because he's cheap. That's really it, though. You just know his floor is two. It's there. So, uh, Chris, your fight. Yeah, uh, totally fun fight. I think I think we need to mention that uh, although Pereira does have a lot of losses uh, in the regionals, they're mostly decisions. He's only been knocked out one time. So um, I think that can come into play. I also like the fact that Pereira is going to be the more athletic and the bigger fighter. He's very big for this weight class. I think that can mean that he, he'll try to wrestle and go for takedowns. Uh, he's, he actually has gone – he's gotten two takedowns in, in three of his five fights, which is interesting because you would think of him as just this, like, guy who wants to come in and strike. But he does throw his rope weight around and wrestle as well. Um, either one of these guys can drop. I don't trust Nico Price. I actually think that uh, Perry has been a smarter fighter. I think he's shown that recently. I think he's showing some evolution. And um, I just think he, he's got more weapons here. So I'm going to pick him. you got to have shares of both. I think that Price is going to be more popular just because he's cheaper and this fight's going to end uh, 
inside the distance, but uh, that should be all the more reason, I think, if you like Pereira, and I do, so that's the pick. Yeah, so um, price, GPP only, um, because as Sean said, his floor is fairly low, although, um, you know, Pereira has not really scored well, um, you know, in DraftKings. Um, I don't think he's got a 100-point performance, and he's priced fairly up there. Um, so I definitely see price as a better value. There's some line value there as well. So I'm going to actually pick Nico Price. I mean, anybody who's got enough power to knock you out off his back um, could probably put away Pereira. Um, although it is a very risky fight. It's a GPP-only fight. I think Nico Price is going to be higher owned than Pereira. So if you want to look at it from that perspective – Maybe you could get some leverage by being underweight to Price and overweight to Pereira. Um, I also heard that Price had a good camp. Um, he, you know, he got really focused. He's kind of going to be a bit more measured. Um, you know, not play into the antics that you know Pereira has used in the past. So give me Nico Price here, um, but again, GPPs only. All right, next fight up, Max Payne Griffin, 8,700, taking on Carlos Condit, 7,500. Griffin's 21 on FanDuel. Condit is 10. Uh, I like Max Griffin. The price on FanDuel is <laughs> no thanks, especially when everyone Twitter's going nuts. Please shoot a takedown, Max. Please shoot a takedown. Uh, for the love of God, please shoot a takedown. Max Griffin should win this fight unless he goes full stupid on us. That's just the way it is. I'm sorry, age is a thing in MMA got a clear path to victory and on the feet it's close i don't think condon will totally smoke him like griffin's a tough guy he can be in wars but there's such a clear path to victory griffin's the pick has some decent upside and just kind of live because i don't trust griffin to not not shoot a takedown i really don't so uh griffin is still the pick though joe so um on the flight over the jet blue flight attendant actually took condon down helping him to his seat um, you know, he's got the worst takedown defense in the history of the UFC. I think he's been taken down more than any fighter in the UFC. Um, yeah, Griffin has got to wrestle here. I mean, we know he can do it. Um, I don't want to repeat of the Alex Moreno performance where he decided, oh, let me wrestle in the third round um, and take him down four times. Um, hopefully, and again, I'll, I have to look. I'm not sure what where Griffin does his camp. I should be better prepared. But I would hope that his coaches, I mean, this is not a secret. I mean, everybody knows what the game plan is against Carlos Conduit. Um, and by the way, you know, like I'm not making as much of the age because Griffin is 35, Conduit is 37, but there's a lot more mileage on on Carlos Conduit than there is on, on you know, Max Payne Griffin. So, you know, it's not the age thing. It's more like, you know, what has Condit really done? I mean, he barely outstruck Court McGee. And for some reason, McGee didn't try to get the fight. To, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I almost think that that fight, and I won't use the F word um, by fix, it, it just seemed really weird to me, the way that that whole fight was, was set up. I mean, you know, you've got a guy that has had 45 fights in the UFC alone. I'm sorry, 45 fights total, not in the UFC. Um, you know, yeah, he's coming off of two wins, but Jake Ellenberger, well, actually that was a grappling bout, Matt, Matt Brown and Court McGee. I mean, you know, come on. So I, 
really like Griffin here. I really hope that Griffin's camp will, you know, lay out the game plan, like take him down, hold him down, do what you can, box him up, wear him out. You know, that's what you got to do. Um, that's what's going to win you the fight. Um, I like Griffin here a fair amount. I think he's got some grappling upside on DraftKings, and I also like him as a wager. Chris? Yeah, I like Griffin too. I, I mean, I, I don't know if Condit beating Court McGee is a fix. I mean, Court, it's not like Court McGee wrestles all the time. But, um, you know, be, be that uh, as it may, I think that I mean, the reason why Condit, I think, doesn't care about takedown defense is he always feels like his guard can get the job done. He does have a tricky one, but uh, Max Griffin has never been submitted in his career. And that's a long career. Um, he's older than you might think. He's 35 at this point. He's, I think, 25 fight veteran. Never been submitted. So, um, and I agree with Sean. I think I think Griffin is is pretty good on the feet. He uh, he's, he's got some good footwork. He was he was stung by uh, Alves there, and uh, that. But that's a fight I th- I think he won anyway. I think that yeah, he should wrestle. We we've seen him carry wrestling game plan better than he did in that Moreno fight. I think maybe he just thought, I have the speed advantage here. I'm going to be able to overtake him. Didn't work out like that. I think that he's going to be more conscientious about that here. I'm taking Griffin. Um, I'm still going to be rooting for Condit, and uh, I'm going to have some shares of Condit just because, um, you know, it's weird to me that he doesn't have uh, a knockout since he come back. I mean, I know he knocked down Court McGee, but um, I see he still looks pretty dangerous to me uh, when he's on his feet. And so I think that I'll have some shares of content for that reason. But, yeah, I think the play is, is Griffin, and, and it works best on DraftKings for the wrestling upside. Sean O'Malley, 9,500, 23 on FanDuel. Chris Moutinho, 67 on DK, 8 on FanDuel. Look, in cash games on FanDuel, he is your MVP. Done. Next spot. On DraftKings, you we can argue about this if you want, but 99% of lineups are going to be Stack and Sean O'Malley. And now you have three lineups, and now you have three fighters to pick. Look, I like what I've heard from, from um, Moutinho at, uh, at Pressers. Good on him. He's, you know, he's got his shot here. And if anybody's gonna fold as a huge dog, as a huge favorite, you know, roll his ankle or something, it's Sean O'Malley. But skill-wise, as much as I'm over the O'Malley shtick, I just, I'm just, I, 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 like we've seen Connor look forced. O'Malley's whole thing looks forced. Like I'm just, that kind of shtick just doesn't do it for any for me anymore. So I'm not a fan of his. Just not. Is he a good fighter? Sure. I want to see him against more grapplers, but they'll never do that. Um, till they have to. O'Malley should knock this guy out in the first round. If he doesn't, he may not pay off. I'm going to eat the chalk. Um, it's a little scary, though, because he could roll an ankle. But O'Malley's the pick here and just kind of move on with it. Uh, Chris? So I agree. I probably won't eat too much chalk here just because, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard to predict a first-round knockout anybody, really, especially if you're not at heavyweight. It's just – it's not something that um, that I'm going to bank on. Interesting note that um, Matino's last opponent was from uh, Freehold, New Jersey, which is where I live. So uh, that's interesting. I've never heard that's of that guy. You? I'm pretty sure. It was not me. 
Um, I would have performed, I think, measurably worse. But uh, I, I, I don't know who that is, but maybe I'll, uh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an instant fan, and I hope uh, we see him in the UFC pretty soon. But um, I, do think, I do think Sean O'Malley has all the advantages here. The thing that's interesting is Matinho is a kicker, and that's what we have seen. Sean O'Malley fold to is look, he can say that he just rolled his ankle all he wants, but that, that, um, that Cheeto Vera fight, he got hit with a, with a kick first. And, uh, I, I don't exactly remember what happened in the, in the Sukumta fight. So I can't speak to that, but, um, I don't remember if Sukumta was kicking his leg or not, but, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's the, that's the analysis of the fight. I think, I think Sean O'Malley, uh, first round uh, stoppage by strikes is, uh, or just for first round stoppage is is slightly plus money. So that would be the way to go if you want to do that. I think that. I, um, think so. I thought it was like minus. I think he's like minus two hundred. I thought for, for for a first round stop. Let me look. Would it be minus two hundred for a first round stop? No, no, no. Can't be. Oh, O'Malley by TKO was minus two forty five. Right. O'Malley, you're right. O'Malley round one one fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So I think I think that's the way to go. I think that's the way to go there. Um, as I said, I probably won't eat too much of it just because you need it, and um, and uh, I I just want more flexibility in my lineups. I'd rather have it. But I mean, the flip side of that is that I think the the sixty second bonus is live. You can never you can never play for that. But I mean, it is it is something to consider. So I mean, this is a way too long. Uh, the play is O'Malley. And uh, we'll see if he decides to screw the pooch on this one somehow. Yeah, so I'm going to repeat some of the same stuff I said on the Alpha Pod, if you guys watch that. Um, I think that if Sean O'Malley and um, Connor or Dustin are you know, in your lineup, in all likelihood, if you're playing mass entry, you're going to um, – tie with a lot of people, um, unless you get really uniquely different. Um, you know, the other thing is in the last two UFC slates, we had short notice replacements coming in to take on nine K plus fighters. Um, and the nine K plus fighters both got sparked and I was left in the rain with not even an urban sombrero. Um, and it really hurt. Um, so I will have, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to be like way over market to, you know, uh, the the challenger here, but I will have um, a few shares in my 20 entry, which I would would never do in the past with guys like this, simply because if that happens again, I don't want to be kind of held short. Um, Sean O'Malley himself predicted a second round knockout. So now, again, I don't know what that means, but a second round knockout is likely not going to mean optimal. Um, could be, depends on how, you know, how he lights him up in the first round, how many strikes he lands. Um, you know, I have a feeling this is going to be a relatively low scoring slate, but, uh, be careful. Like I know that there are people out there that are going to hit enter and play him in all 150 lineups in a mass entry. Uh, I, I really think that unless you get different in a lot of those lineups, um, even if he is optimal, which again, I think there's a chance he might not be. You're going to be sharing with a lot of people, um, which, okay, fine. You know, if that's what floats your boat, um, I want, you know, more. <laughs> um, so I'll probably be slight. I will. Yeah, I'm going to play him in cash, 
but I'll probably be slightly under um, in GPPs uh, with O'Malley. I am obviously picking him to win, but to Sean's point, you know, you got a guy that, you know, all his opponent needed to do was make him stand up and he would have had a loss, got his legs chopped out and lost, you know, like, so who knows what happens here? Uh, we lost, we lost Sean. Uh, I don't know where he went. So I uh, will take over the hosting sport. duties. The the yes, the uh, hosting duties for the time being. As I vamp while I get everything up, I was I, I thought I thought I had uh, half a half a day off, but this is what happens. Sometimes your number gets called, and and you have to you have to do it. So um, I'm just gonna go DraftKings just because it's the only thing I have open. Uh, hopefully Sean gets back and and he can do his more professional thing. But right now. We have uh, Irene Aldana, 8,300, versus Yana Kunitskaya at 7,900. And, again, this is only DraftKings pricing. Um, me, personally, I'm going Kunitskaya here. I know Aldana missed by four pounds. I tend to think that is very much intentional. Like, I don't think she came into this camp thinking I'm going to miss weight, but I think maybe as it got harder, she, she'll say, you know, I, I have to deal with the physicality anyway. Maybe maybe, I, maybe I'll just take the 20% hit and be a little bit more prepared in there. Because uh, that's what I think Kunitskaya is going to have to do is sort of grapple and, uh, you know, sort of get this fight where she can use her physicality. I do think Kunitskaya is, is a decent kickboxer, and that can be a dynamic that will work against Aldana, who's more of a pure boxer. So I like that aspect of it as well. But I think this is... Uh, mainly dogger passes because I don't trust Aldana to uh, land the heater that uh, that knocked out. Uh, oh, who was it? Who who was who was the big knockout? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I heard Sean come back. Sean, save me from myself. Here he is. Oh, oh, this is a disaster. My computer is all jammed up. So I'm on my phone. Uh, wow. I, Chris, I would appreciate after I intro, intro this next fight, you um. Todd will do a solo real quick so I can charge this. Okay, uh, yeah, no problem. I I already introed uh, Aldana uh, Kunitskaya, so we're doing that now, and um, I'm just finishing it up. And I'll finish by saying that uh, Kunitskaya is my play here. I, I, I don't think another well, knockout is in the cards for Aldana, and I think that the uh, control time, maybe some takedowns can, uh, can go – a little bit further for the 7,900. So give me Kunitz guy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually with you here, Chris. Um, it was Caitlin Vieira um, who, who Aldana KO'd. I, o I always thought that um, Aldana was pretty massive for 135. I mean, if you've seen her, like she definitely hydrates up. I mean, she has got thighs that could, you know, like just crush a boa constrictor. Um, so, I wanted to think the same thing you did about the weight miss where, you know, it, you know, cause generally when you have fighters who miss weight, right. You don't want them missing by a quarter pound or a half pound. Right. Cause that means they legitimately tried and, and failed. You want a fighter who misses bad because you know, you're, you're giving up the same percentage of your purse. However, she really didn't look that good <laughs> um, on the scale for whatever's that worth, whatever that's worth. Um, Kunis Kaya, I actually like her not only as a wager, I like her on DraftKings as well. I mean, she's put up, like, shockingly, some really decent scores 
um, in, in some of her fights. And I mean, look, she did not exactly have the easiest entree, you know, into the UFC having to fight, um, you know, Cyborg on short notice. So um, I like Kunis Kaiba here. The last I saw, I think it was she was even or plus 100. Um, I, I definitely think, you know, she could be a surprising play on on DK. I don't know how what her ownership is going to look like. But, you know, I think if you look at her last two fights, um, 92 points, 109 points, like sign me up at 7.9K for that. Um, 40 points in a loss to Aspen Ladd. Then 82 points um, against Renault and 119 against uh, against Landsberg. I mean, obviously, we're not going to look at what she scored against Cyborg. That doesn't matter. But she landed on 215 strikes in her last fight and had five minutes and nine seconds of control time. And she was 6.9K. Um, so I, you know, look, I think she's got some good training partners. We all know her story about being married to uh, to uh, uh, Santos, right? Um, Santos or, um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah Santos. She's married to yeah. Santos. Um, I really think, like, this kid's a sneaky little play at 7.9K. And, you know, if, if you just put up the average of her last four fights, including the loss, I'll take that at 7.9K. And I, I have be I better as well because I, I kind of like her as a bet. Um, I think Aldana should probably move up to 145. I know it's a, kind of a dead weight class, but maybe she'll get a title fight someday at that weight. But um, give me uh, Kuniskaya here. Yeah, I, I'm going to circle back because I'm on the Aldana side. Look, I, I think she's good enough to keep um, Kuniskaya use her use some of that size to keep keep space and in range. I think the boxing is gonna pay dividends here against Kuniskaya. I'm a little I I feel actually I'm considering betting Aldana, which is not odd if you're directly against it. I just think her size keeps her alive in the clinch, and she's the better striker. Um, but DraftKings is a slightly different story because I don't see her finishing her putting up any kind of crazy volume. So I can get on board with Kuniskaya if she wins. There's control time. There's a takedown. Could be the better DK play. I can get on board with that. Um, but I like Aldana as the pick here. And I like her because I don't think she's going to be highly owned. I think, what, between 10 and 15%, maybe? So um, I think she's um, one of the sneakier options. I'll probably play her like 20% just to get a little bit of leverage and be a little bit different. Because um, I do think she's able to keep space in this one. If she's not, Kuniskaya wins, but I'm on the Aldana side. By the way, you know, they have identical reach, Aldana and Kuniskaya, 68 and a half. Yes, Aldana is three inches taller than her, but the reach is exactly the same. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I think she'll be able to use some of her size. She's big. She's a bigger fighter, isn't she? Well, she'll 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 so, probably be bigger at, at fight time for sure. Right. Yeah. We, we, we already know she missed by four pounds. So, so um. I, I think that size is going to pay off. It's going to pay off in the clinch. Anyway. Tied to Ivasa, 8417 bucks. Greg Hardy, 7812 bucks. Um, look, I'm consistently going to pick against guys who MMA is new to them. It's still that to Greg Hardy. I know Ty's got his flaws, but 8400 for Tied to Ivasa. Please knock out the woman beater. Please. <laughs> please, 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 please. I also don't think Hardy's really going to finish him. I think Hardy's going to go over own because of the name value. Um, he's a better fan to play where he's all the way down to 12 bucks versus in the mid range here on DraftKings. So I can get on board with him more there. 
maybe Tui Vasa gasses out, but Hardy doesn't have a great gas tank. So, you know, I'm on the tie side. It's probably one of my stronger takes in the card. Um, I am worried that if Tui Vasa doesn't get a first-round finish, this turns into a slog that doesn't score well. So while they're big guys, it's not an all-in fight for that reason. But I am on the tie side. Uh, Chris, and please go to the solo view. Yeah, I, I would. I would think you know if I'm worried about a gas tank, I think it would be. Uh, I think it would be Hardy's. We have we've seen Tuivasa in third rounds before. Uh, no inhaler required, so that's always a plus. And um, look, I, I just Hardy is is sort of like we we say this sometimes where a guy is gonna will have a couple fights and we say, well, we really don't know how good he is. This is going to be Hardy's ninth fight in the UFC, and I would say we still don't know how good he is. If you, uh, here's a fun fact: literally nobody he's ever beaten in the organization is still here because Maurice Green just got cut. Everybody's gone, and Maurice Green is his best win in the octagon. And Maurice Green is currently nine and six. So when you look at him, I'm not saying he's he has shown no competency. He actually uh, shows some pretty decent pull counters in the first round, like he did against. Marching Tybura, but I, I've been on this train for a while where I don't necessarily think he's that big of a puncher for heavyweight. I think it's it's sort of a Brock Lesnar situation where, you know, he's big and mus- muscular and bricked up, but, you know, just be, just maybe the punching mechanics or whatever it is. I know he's got a lot of finishes, but a lot of that is, you know, Dmitry Smolyakov and, and Juan Adams and whatnot. So, I mean, he, he I think, hit Marching Tybura in the face four times in a row, and Tybura just sort of walked – walk through it. I, I don't think, I think he tends to short arm a lot of his punches. I think maybe they're going for more speed than power at this point, And maybe that's it. And we know that uh, Taito Avasa is really tough. He took, he took a shot in the, that first minute against Hunsucker that, and he didn't even like flinch. It was bizarre, but he, he's very tough. Um, Junior Dos Santos knocked him down. That was more of an accumulation in the second round, finished him. And he was a wild man in that fight. He was punching from his back, so he wasn't like why he just kind of dumb. He's and he wasn't like wobbled or. But um, yeah, I think that this is going to be interesting because we're going to see maybe for the first time we're going to see somebody try and put Greg Hardy on his back foot, and we're going to have to see how he reacts. And I think that as long as Tui Vasa can um, can fade what might be a decent first round if he has to, I think uh, I think. Greg Hardy will be so tired by the time the second round comes and Tuavasa pushing him that he's going to get a finish here. So my pick is Tuavasa. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm with you. Um, some interesting points here. Um, one is you unfortunately probably have to have some of this fight because it's yeah. minus 200 to finish inside the distance. Also, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook has three odds boosts out for this slate. Two of them directly have tied to Avasa in the odds boost. Um, Aljamain Sterling apparently picks him the win, and so does Brendan Schaub. And then okay. John Anik. Now, now I'm all li- Who's Schaub picking? Uh, he's picking to Avasa. Oh, no. Uh, and then um, John Anik has this fight going under two and a half rounds. Um, so, look, I think Hardy is the one more likely to give up if he gets stung. You know, to Avasa, you know, he's this crazy. Aussie, you know, he's, you know, he trains with Mark Hunt. They beat the crap out of each other. Um, I like two of Asa here. I mean, again, I, I do think you should have a share or two of Hardy um, in case he gets lucky. 
But um, give me two of Asa, and you probably should have, um, I don't know, a good percentage of this fight in your lineups because of the inside-the-distance props. Is he Aussie or New Zealand? Oh, New Zealand. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's sorry, Joey. Yeah, no offense to anybody. I didn't uh, – I, I made a mistake. Yes, New Zealand. He's a New Zealander. Right. Shame on you, Joe. Yeah, sorry. On that note, we'll go to Steve Wonderboy Thompson, who I know is from America. He's at 8500 <laughs> and 18 bucks. Gilbert Burns, $7,713. Um, look, I think we're inching closer to Steven Thompson and Kamaru Usman. And I'm, I'm here for it. Um, I just I don't think Burns is going to take down. If he does, he's obviously live to, to win and a finish. I just don't think he gets it. Thompson, clearly the better striker. We saw what damage an Usman jab did to him. Like, Wonder Boy should have his way on the feet. It's a matter of scoring. Um, Wonder Boy's been putting up some decent numbers, actually. Like, de deceptively so at 8,500. And I think people are going to shy away from him. So, for that reason, I'm on Steven Wonder Boy Thompson. I'm probably going to be over the field to him. Uh, Gilbert Burns is fine because it, it just it takes one time this fight goes to the ground. And I think he will submit Thompson. I just don't think it gets there. But he's live for GPPs. I'm not saying to fade him, but Thompson is my preferred play. Joe, who you got? Yeah, I have Wonder Boy. I mean, Wonder Boy has been taken down, I believe, seven times totally in the UFC, and five of them were by Matt Brown when Crocs were cool. One time by Tyron – and twice by Tyron Woodley, one in each fight. So he's not the easiest guy in the world to take down anyway. Um, I started the week thinking that Burns was live, like thinking, okay – you know, he's got quick hands. Um, Showtime Pettis, you know, Superman punched um, Burns and KO'd him. I'm sorry, Superman punched Thompson and KO'd him. But I think actually Thompson learned from that and has been a better fighter since then. Um, so I like Thompson here. He's reasonably priced. Um, also, Brett Apley likes him a lot, um, you know, which, you know, that that's kind of an influencer in my mind. Uh I, you know, look, the, the issue with Thompson is the scoring. Like, like he's a counterpuncher. However, people that bring the fight to him, he's more likely to score better against. You know, when he fought Woodley, it was just like, it was like nails on the blackboard. Like, they just looked at each other, you know, for, for most of the fight. So, I don't think Burns is that kind of fighter. I don't see him trying to be tentative against, um, against Wonder Boy. I don't see him as that kind of fighter. Um, so I like Wonder Boy here. I'll have a few shares of Burns. I'd be very surprised if Burns not only could take him down, but held him down for a period of time. We'll see. Um, his best shot is when they're all kind of dry in the first round because, uh, Burns seems to have an adrenaline dump. I would encourage everybody who is contemplating taking a big position in Burns to go back and watch the Hooker Burns fight. There's no reason Wonder Boy can't do to Burns what Hooker did. Because um, I think Wonder Boy is a better version of Dan Hooker. Um, so I would say go watch that fight. Um, I do like Wonder Boy here, but I will have a few shares of Burns. Chris? So that's the first thing that came into my mind uh, when I when this fight was booked. It was the uh, Dan Hooker fight. Uh, ju just, just, another, just another long uh, guy who can counterpunch. Uh, dropped dropped him with a, a counter straight and then finished him with a counter hook and in between there uh, chewed him up with leg kicks. Uh, Stephen Thompson can do all of those things better than Dan Hooker could. Um, and so I think you have to pick 
uh, Stephen Thompson, and I also think you're right about people who bring the fight to him. We saw how well he did against Vicente Luque. People just think you can walk through uh, what Stephen Thompson is going to do to you. You can't do that. I think people got maybe got lulled to sleep because of some of those uh, boring fights, but he is a dangerous striker. The one thing I would say is that we know that Gilbert Burns is very strong. Uh, he almost took down uh, Usman, which I think is, you know, an accomplishment in itself in itself because he got closer than anyone else has ever gotten. Also got closer to beating him than anyone in the UFC has ever gotten. Wobbled him with a punch. I still think um, Thompson has to be worried about that, although, like, I wouldn't be worried about anybody replicating the Superman punch off the cage. But I, I, I do think that he has to be worried about couple of things here I just don't um I just I just don't see him I just don't see Burns fading what uh Wonder Boy brings I think it's going to be too much if he catches him if he takes him down he's definitely got pads I would say don't ignore him but I think Wonder Boy here and if people write him off again you know I, th- I think that score could be pretty high maybe an accumulative uh second or third round knockout so after after some uh a, a big uh Confluence of strike, so I'm going Wonderboy. All right, main event time. Um, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, both are 8100 on DraftKings. Poirier 20 bucks on FanDuel. McGregor 19. Load up on this fight. Should be action packed. Uh, I am still on the Poirier side, and like it, it's funny. It, it's when you break down the McGregor fight, you're either a McGregor hater or a McGregor nuthugger. It's just so I'm I'm gonna go through like facts here. Since twenty, let's go back since since the Jose Aldo knockout since 2015. It's six years ago. It's a long time in MMA. He's beat Nate Diaz and Donald Cerrone and Eddie Alvarez. I should take it back. El, Alvarez was his best win, but Eddie Alvarez left the UFC and, and, you know, just doesn't look to be the same guy. I almost think the UFC lightweight division is so good. It's kind of passed up McGregor. I pick him over a lot of guys in that top five, personally, um, including Islam Makashev, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, whereas Dustin Poirier, on the other hand, is staying active. You know, he's beaten Dan Hooker, beat Max Holloway, beat Justin Gaethje, like had, you know, a better performance in my mind against Habib, but not by much. They both got smashed. Let's, let's be honest. The um, the Dan Hooker fight, he's been in these wars. And if you don't want to go off just the, what have they done for me lately? Because McGregor's out being a superstar, great. The analysis part is they really believe that Poirier is tough enough that even if McGregor has a better showing than last time, he's tough enough to drag this fight into deep water and drown McGregor there. Because I don't think McGregor can keep up a pace for five rounds. I just don't. I know Poirier can. I don't think McGregor can do it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think, you know, and Poirier could wrestle. I know McGregor, I think, is deceptively good takedown defense, but I think he, you know, if anyone's going to wrestle, it's going to be Poirier. So all these things give, makes me lean Poirier. It is close. I'm not slam dunking it, but I am in the Poirier camp. Um, DraftKings, stack it up. Just move on and catch games, in my opinion, because it's a close fight. And if you, if you want to run just one of them, do yourself a favor. Just go make a bet because that's what you're doing. Just go bet the fight. For DraftKings cash games, stack it up. Or if you like other lineups I haven't even looked at yet, play neither. I wouldn't play one or the other. Just I think that's, I think that's way too cute. Um, FanDuel's a little bit more expensive. 
I would honestly probably play neither on FanDuel. They're just too, they price up the main event so much. That's how I would approach it. Um, and GPPs, it's, I'm going to say an 85 percenter because like Joe mentioned, these guys are going to approach 95% ownership combined. Like just, just mix in some lineups without both because if it hits, that's how you're going to take down big money, not with one of these two guys in it. So that's my long way to take on the main event, Chris. You get to follow that piece of DFS commentary gold. Yeah, I agree with most of what you said, but what was, what was the first fight you said that McGregor won? Um, that he won, he's beaten. Uh, I said Nate Diaz, but he lost that fight. He lost one of them too. No, no, the, 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 but the first guy you said he knocked out, who was that? Mm, McGregor? The first guy McGregor knocked out. You said he knocked out who? Knocked out. Doesn't matter. Eddie Alvarez. <laughs> No, I, I was trying to make a Jose Aldo joke, but yeah, it's uh, taking too long. Yeah. You 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 were gonna say you were gonna say Jose Aldo, and I was gonna say I don't remember that because yeah. it doesn't matter. It, it took too long, and uh, maybe we should rehearse yeah, this. It did. But yeah, um, you ruined it. I, wow. I, well, Bring better jokes. I know. I you know what? I was going for the big setup, and it then it didn't materialize. But um, I think look. The first thing you got to say about this fight is uh, I think you did a great job breaking it down. Uh, DFS-wise, uh, strategically, our analysis-wise, I would say that, look, McGregor basically had to learn a new phase of MMA in six months. He didn't know what a calf kick was. He, he came back to that press conference uh, like, um, you know, the, the apes in Planet of the Apes who, who found the, uh, the thing on Mars, the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I mean, he, he was flummoxed by it, and I don't trust him to learn a new phase of MMA in basically less than six months. The other thing is, I mean, you mentioned all the layoffs, Sean. Um, that's always going to be a problem for him in my view. I mean, this is actually the the least amount of time he's taken off uh, between fights since Eddie Alvarez. It's always like a year or two years. So that really says something. And even if I didn't think about any of that, there's always that gas tank issue. It's always been there. It was there in the Habib fight. I was probably there in the Poirier fight too, although it got overshadowed by uh, the leg kicking. And um, I think this is just a scenario where you have to pick Poirier, but you you can't be surprised if McGregor wins because McGregor still still hit him hard, and even by even by Poirier's own uh, recollection, really hurt him. I think in the second round, he said in the early second round. So I think um, Poirier is tough enough to withstand it too. Hasn't been knocked out since that uh, Michael Johnson fight, which people make too big of a deal out of. Again, we go back to the Ryan Hall thing. He got, he got caught with a shot. Um, I think if you run that fight back, I, I think it's pretty easy to to see who the pick would be at least. But, um, but yeah, I'm going Poirier here. I, you have to have a, a lot of both. I get what you're saying, Sean, but I, I think that the, the chances of it are so – are so minuscule that I, I wouldn't go at least I wouldn't go more than a few lineups not having either one of them just because I, I don't see how this ends any anywhere else but a finish. Conor McGregor has literally uh, never lost in any other way by finish. I think he only has a couple, maybe two or three wins by submission by uh, decision. So I think it ends inside the distance. I think uh, Poirier uh, rides out the early storm and gets another finish and. Uh, Scores really well. Okay, so for those that maybe have been keeping track, I flipped on two of my earlier picks that I, I submitted to Rotowire earlier in the week, and that was Eldana and um, 
you know, in Burns, I, I went with Wonder Boy and, and Kuniskaya. Um, I am not flipping on this pick. I, I, I like McGregor here. Um, it pains me, but I, I do. Um, I think he's more hyper-focused for this fight. Um, I, For those of you that don't know, Dana White won $7 million playing blackjack. And I would not be at all surprised if he slipped some of that money to Dustin because the UFC desperately wants McGregor to win this fight. Um, there is a Charles Dubronx Oliveira $2 million, $2 million pay-per-view fight behind this. Um, there is a trilogy with Diaz. Um, you know, there's a lot that can happen with McGregor. Um, not that because an organization wants a fighter to win that they're going to win. Um, we did see that McGregor hurt Dustin. Um, Dustin obviously is very good at taking damage. I have nothing but respect for the guy. I'm going to have a lot of shares um, of Dustin. I will say that I am not stacking in cash. Um, so anybody who wants to play me, you know, um, I think the, the fight just better. Uh, well, yeah, I think the fight is going to um, end uh, early and the stack is not going to be worthwhile. But I like um, I like McGregor here. Um, I think he is starting to get into Dustin's head um, like he did in the first fight. I don't have that read at all. I, I got that read a little bit. But again, I don't think it's as important as I, I do think he's hyper-focused. Um, I do think he had a much better camp. Um, there's the $7 million in blackjack money that Dana White won. Um, if I was a conspiracy theorist, I would say that this is the guy that the UFC wants to win for obvious reasons. Again, not that it matters. Um, I will have a lot of Dustin. You know, I, I will not be hurt by Dustin winning. So let me just kind of put that on the table. But, um, you know, I'm being asked to pick a winner for this. And I'm going to pick McGregor. All right, guys. Hot take time. Let me pull up my chat button here so I can see some of these. Post your hot, cha- hot oh, takes yes. in chat. We'll see what we got. I can't read these on my screen. I'll, I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you my hot take. I'll give you my hot take while Chris, you know, reads some. Uh, I already bet this. Um, I have got uh, Max Griffin by submission plus sixteen hundred. Um, so I I took a small stab at that. Um, I, I think it's got a shot. Um, you know, not a lot, but I took a small little stab, and. Uh, you know, that's my hot take. I gotta I gotta pull up I gotta find one real quick here. Let's go with my hot take will be Let me get something real hot this week. Um Jennifer Maya's on the optimal. Oh god. That would just be <laughs> No, that is not my hot take. That would be bananas. All right, let's say we are gonna see I actually think it's going to be a high-scoring card. I think we're going to see three. I think we're going to see three sixty-second bonuses. Wow! Wow! If you want me wow! To, if, you want me to, if you want me to try and pick them, I'm going to try and. Pick yeah, them. you got to pick them now. Well, I mean, this is pretty easy. No, I don't, I'm not going to go for for the uh, main event. I'm not going to do it. No. Nope. Yeah. Well, look, Sean, be- Sugar Shane O'Malley, two of us Hardy. Come nope, on, and nope. who else? I'm gonna go Sean O'Malley, Yao Zhang Hu, Nico Price. Yao Zhang Hu is a good one. I like that. Okay. Hot take, Chris. Okay, mine is not uh, is not as inventive. I'm just gonna say Trevor Giles finishes Drikas Duplessis. What's Giles by finish? It's probably decent. Ooh. It's probably yeah, it's it's probably pretty decent, yeah. I uh, and then after this you're gonna put respect on his name. Okay. Probably push. not. I'll probably stop picking against them. I know you will. 
Um, Giles by Giles inside the distance is three twenty-five. Nice. Wow. Of course, yeah. you should get down on that. Yeah, that's that's true. Three hundred gets you a thousand. Come on. Yeah. Big money. All right, you got you got some in chat, Chris. Before we get out of here, I do not see any in the chat. Everybody's asleep. They 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 were spellbound by by our excellent analysis. They couldn't add anything else. That was not not to mention we have the unfortunate. Um, the timing is very unfortunate. I almost suggested that we switch our timing because uh, I think Locke of the Night has got a super pod going right now with James Krause, Nick Kalikas, yeah, and Yanni the Greek. I don't know how we got those three guys. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm going to tune into that. Um, yeah. So it might be in direct conflict with our pod here, um, which, you know. Well, you know what? As much as I like Locke, this is better content. This is better. Yeah. This is because I watch it on the replay and be sorry. He generally starts at nine, but I think one of the guys had a hard stop or something, so he had to. They might have started it earlier, but that's going to be that's going to be lit. Um, my 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 my, my yeah. boy Locke of the night. So, um. all right, guys, um, make sure you go to rotowire.com/free for a ten-day free trial through all the premium content. No credit card required. Enjoy the card. Joe, I'll see you tomorrow. Let's post some screenshots. Good luck in those contests. We'll see yeah. everybody next time. Peace. Right, thanks, everybody. Sean, hang on for a sec. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.